Welcome to the Powered by Age, age-friendly city Zoomcast reality-style podcast. We are movers and shakers, shaking up the old notion of silent, helpless, invisible seniors. This is a new series of podcasts funded by the City of Vancouver and the 411 Senior Center Society. As PBA AFC ambassadors, we raise awareness, share our original stories and poems, inform, advocate, and involve seniors in discussing important social issues. In short, these podcasts will help us, you, in creating an age-friendly city for Vancouver today, tomorrow the world. You can hear us everywhere podcasts are heard. Hello, welcome to the online version of Powered by Age, Age-Friendly City podcast. We are flowing a whole new thing because we are making our show live. It's like City Line, but it's Zoom Line. <laughs> and uh, today I'm Charlotte Farrell, the coordinator for this program and host for today. And we'll have each of the people that are on the line now in, introduce themselves. And as other people join, uh, we will have them introduce themselves as well. Okay, starting with you, Sylvie. Yes, hi, my name is Sylvie Anderson, and I'm originally from the West End Seniors Network. I got involved through them. Uh, I'm brand new at this. I'm, I'm, I haven't done this before, and I learned a lot in the, in the short space that we've been operating or trying to operate so far. So, um, yeah, this is really very exciting. It, it is uh, very exciting. I'm looking forward to uh, more episodes as they come out. Hopefully, hopefully I'll become more polished as we go along. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, you're polished. You're brave. We're all going out on this. Yeah. Brave <laughs> okay, Emily. Hi. Good afternoon. This is Emily. Nice to see you guys here, and I really enjoy it. And um, we have wonderful Charlotte. She's a mentor and leader. So I'm glad I'm coming in today. Hey. Hi. Okay, Pat. Hi. Hi, I'm Pat Hogan, and I'm um, uh, with Quirky, which is the Queer Imaging and Writing Collective for Elders. I've been with them for 13 years. And other than that, I have for about 35, 40 years produced concerts and events. That's what I've done. Uh, and I'm still doing uh, it a little bit now. Less now, of course, but uh, I'm, I'm still at it. So that's me. And yeah, I'm really interested to, to get more skills to do podcasting. Okay, Pat, uh, Gail. Yeah, hi. Good, uh, good morning, every, uh, good afternoon, everybody. I'm with uh, 411 Seniors. Uh-huh. Hi, some of my buddies from the center. So I have my podcast all ready to rock and roll. Okay, we'll be, after we introduce, uh, everyone introduces, we will be uh, having your presentation. It's Robin. A, it's about, Hi. Oh, I, I just wanted to add, it's seven minutes and 47 seconds. Okay. Great. Hi, Robin. We are just at the point of introducing each other ourselves. Okay. It is, it is you, Robin. Oh, Hi. Hey. Yeah, sorry I'm late. I was in another meeting. <laughs> so it's basically yeah, telling us who you are and why you're interested in this podcast program. Okay. Um, my name is Robin. Hi. 
Uh, I work at CJSF, which is the campus community radio station at SFU, and uh, that's how I know Charlotte. Um, I'm here to help you um, with the with the podcasting as best as I can. It's a little bit different now that we're online, <laughs> and I I have to admit that my technical savvy. Uh, might not be super savvy, um, but there are still some things that uh, I can be a resource to you for. And um, yeah, I'm very excited about having um, all kinds of voices for all, you know, all different kinds of perspectives um, heard on on the radio and, and elsewhere. Um, I think that's really important and, and part of how we build bridges and get to understand, you know, who we are. Right, and so we say we're 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 we're. I'm not advertising for City Line. I get no money from City Line. <laughs> I'm just saying we are magazine style uh, radio um, and podcast show, and people will see how we manage the technology as we move along. Right. Um, we plan to do today is last week uh, there were some people who uh, said they would do a story, share a story uh, today, and maybe a couple of people that will be joining us uh, with poems. And we're going to hear them, but we'll, we'll also give some feedback, which is uh, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. part of digital storytelling. So um, Pat is going to do hers, and then we will have Gail's. And between each, uh, we'll have briefly maybe two or three um minutes where someone will uh, give their feedback i'm oh. going to be reading from our, our new book together we stand which is um quirky's seventh anthology and we've had um we've had good feedback from it all already and we've had it online you can get it in ebook or else um print copy and we've had some great reviewers uh bill richardson is one of them as well as some people from sfu um, so, um, anyway, this, this is the book and I'm just going to read you first what one of the editors who is a member of Quirky, Valen, is what wrote about this book, then I'll read my short story. Together we stand. Quirky is and always has been an imaging and writing group, but we are also, most of us, a band of activists whose experiences span many decades and many different places. We've marched, we've chanted, we've volunteered, worked with AIDS patients, outcasts to the rest of the world, worked on pride, organized conferences, or spent time being rape crisis counselors. We're feminists, outlaw lesbians, and gay and trans organizers. Living in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and even 90s as a queer meant fighting for the same rights straights have enjoyed all along. Fighting in the streets, in the courts, in schools and universities, at work, and on the ballot for the right to be who we are and to be safe being who we are. Here are stories of some of the Quirky's experiences in those fights. Make no mistake, though, there's still work to be done. And despite Prime Minister Trudeau's promise that government oppression will never happen again, as governments change, that too may change. We're still fighters, as you'll see, and standing together. We won't give that up. Our first, um, okay, so um, what I'm writing, reading is my, my, my story and it has nothing to do about fighting or anything like that. It's just a part, a little part of my life way back when. So this is uh, called Grandpa John's Simple Treasures. 
He looks out from under bushy gray eyebrows. He's wearing a bright red suit, too big for his thin body, with huge shoulder pads that hang off his frame. His lopsided grin says, look at me, aren't I the cat's pajamas? He shuffles into our basement apartment on Fairview Slopes, which has a view of the industrial mud strip that one day will be a thriving Granville Island. He's got his walking cane and he's arrived to pick up my kids, Ty and Jamie, for their weekly outing. He's our grandpa John and we're making history. We're the first family matched up under the new Vancouver Foster Grandparent Program. All I knew about John was that he had lived in some sort of care facility for years and had no family. He never talked about those parts of his life. What little was known about John's early days was from Marge, the, the founder of Foster Grandparents. It was hard to tell what was fact and what was fiction with John. He was a storyteller. Um, he was a storyteller. According to him, he was born in England, often at a young age, came to Canada as a teenager, had worked in logging camps in Northern British Columbia, drove a taxi, had a motorcycle, and once had a woman friend whom he was fond of, but who had moved back to Australia, her homeland. His life went up a notch or two when he was moved out of the care facility and into a bachelor apartment, all his own, he would say, in the newly built seniors apartments on False Creek, spon sponsored by the Kiwanis Club. Once on his own, he got a welfare check each month. Having access to money was a new experience for John, at least since the many days he had lived in a care facility. He called the mon monthly check his pension, and he was proud of it. He loved talking about what treasures he bought, what kind of deals he got. He was like a kid in a candy store with his newly found independence and check. I remember those tales well, told with a pleased chuckle as he peered out from under those bushy brows his head tilted to one side with a lopsided grin. John had a bus pass that he made good use of, another thing he was proud of and loved to flaunt when he talked about his possessions. When night and day restaurant, John's favorite hangout and breakfast place, closed on West Broadway and moved to First Avenue and Boundary Road, John remained a loyal customer. He made his way to the bus stop, dressed up in a rainbow of colors, hat, scarf, jacket, umbrella, galoshes during the rainy season, and made the long bus trip there at least once a week for breakfast. John bought a lot of junk food and plastic toys for my kids. I was trying to create a somewhat healthy lifestyle for my family, but didn't have the heart to say no to him. He was so pleased with himself. Later on, he became a foster grandparent to my friend's kids, too. She wasn't pleased with those kinds of gifts for her kids either. She and I exchanged many Grandpa John's stories over the years. Somewhere hidden deep in the piles of my archive treasures is a story John typed about himself, typed on an old typewriter he found, pounding one finger at a time on the keys. He talked about his life, his dream, his woman friend in Australia. He wrote of things he remembered and things he made up, I'm sure. Somehow, I inherited his black furry toque which was his favorite hat during cold winter months. I can still see him trudging along in the snow, big overcoat, big galoshes, mittens, bright colored scarf, and the toque pulled over his gray bushy eyebrows. The last few years of his life, when he was getting frail and couldn't live on his own, he lived as a, in a church run facility in Falls Creek. And even then, until his legs no longer held him up, he shuffled across the street to the bus stop 
and off he'd go on a journey, somewhere, anywhere, exploring Vancouver, even when his eyesight and hearing were failing him. He loved to wander. What I didn't know until much later is that my son Ty, then in his 20s, on his many travels through Vancouver from somewhere in the world, stopped and visited John regularly, took him out for coffee, played chess with him in John's bleak studio apartment, and later in the facility, which was John's last home. Ty was a friend to John, and John had few friends. John looked forward to these visits. Ty's thoughtfulness for an old guy who had been a small but important part of our lives touched me deeply. When John died, we met Ralph, the only other friend of John's I was aware of. Ralph was a younger man who took John out regularly. I figured he might have been asked by social services to spend time with John. These two bonded over the years. The three of us, Ty, me, and Ralph, sat there in the funeral home on East Hastings, telling Grandpa John's stories after the minister sent John's soul off to heaven. It was sad that this man, who had eked out a life the best he could, exited with only a small goodbye party, but we gave him a good send-off with laughter, tears, and a bon voyage. History indeed was made for foster grandparents and for Ty, Jamie, and me. He was our Grandpa John. That's it. Oh, nice. That's a great story. Well read. Well read. Thank Any you. Comments? Oh. That was a that was a, one of my favorite type of stories. It's kind of a triumph over adversity. Yeah. Kind of story. And this man who had not had a great life, nevertheless, he made the best of it. And the fact that he would um, would go out and take the bus and travel all over the place, um, it's it, it's inspirational. Actually, it is uh, to me to realize that there are, are people like that. I, I love the story. I loved it very much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It, was, it brought back a lot of memories. And um, unfortunately, I didn't get it together in time. I know I have some pictures of him and it could have gone in this book, but I didn't get it in time for it to be published. So it didn't get in. But he definitely was a character, what he wore and stuff like that. He was just very funny. Yeah. 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 Sounds like a character. You described him well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that just occurred to me um, is that uh, I'm wondering, now, he had a typewritten, um, is there any, you know, he was obviously in Australia for some time with a woman. No, um, he wasn't, he was never in Australia. He oh, met, okay, yeah, he had yeah. an Australian girlfriend, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just wondering um, if there's a little more detail about his life that you would be able to share with us? Just sort of uh, like tiny, tiny not, not much other than what I said, you know, mm -hmm. I, you know, there was a lot of blanks there. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, other than what he told me and that I put in there. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, somewhere I've got that typewritten um, story that he wrote somewhere in my piles of paper. And there probably is more detail in it than, uh, than I put in. And I, I should look back at that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just a little bit, whether he served in the armed forces or if I he, don't he think would so. travel or what kind of work he did, you know? Well, the, the, the work he did was what I said there was like, uh, what he told me anyway, which was, you know, working up North and in logging camps and that kind of stuff. But then when I met him, he was in a, he had been in a care facility and he, um, so I, I don't know 
you know, when that happened, but mm -hmm. that's when I met him. And the, you know what I, and I often wonder, I haven't even bothered to Google, but I'm wondering if foster grandparents are still around. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm going to have to Google and find out because it was, it was new when I started, we were the first people to get matched up. Right, right. Okay. That would be maybe a good story for the future. So if you research that, maybe that's something we can, uh, yeah. can talk about. Yeah. Robin, what do you think? Any comments? Um, I don't really listen to the content of this story um, to feedback because that's not my that's not my place to <laughs> to to tell you about that. But I'll I'll, I'll comment um, on what I heard um, because I I listened with my eyes closed, and I think that there are points, and I would encourage you maybe not in this forum, Pat, but. Um, just by yourself, maybe with um, with another friend, if you live with someone, to read the story at different paces, um, because I think there are places where I really wanted you to slow down, okay. so that I could hear the punctuation and the emphasis that that can really um, provide a bit of of dynamic kind of range to the story. Yeah. Um, and and when all we do is have our, our listening senses, um, that becomes really important and really uh, a critical factor for the, the story. Cause I, you know, I didn't, I didn't see you. I didn't see your facial expressions. I, I just could hear your voice. And so um, how can you, how can you find the places where you want to punctuate certain certain aspects of the story? I loved um, I loved the the reiteration of his big bushy eyebrows, you know. And and I'm not sure if there's a way where you can bring uh, a certain tone to the story that that gets revisited in the same way or some kind of emotionality maybe that that is revisited in the same way that his bushy eyebrows get revisited um which can also bring a little bit of dynamic range again to the the story right well thank you yeah i mean as you're saying that uh one thing that we've done at quirky is we've had people come in and actually given feedback too to each other about presenting and exactly that the pauses the the, the expression on the face um, right and you know the different speeds so yeah i'm aware of that and i haven't done enough of it uh, and yeah i was just reading it here but but that that's a good point yeah 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 and you know for the for the actual recording of it um, the more you practice it, then the more familiar you are with the with the story itself, even though you wrote it, right? Um, but it becomes then easier to to read. And nerves always make us go faster. And so the more practiced we are, especially if we're practiced in front of a, a bit of an audience, then we'll be able to take that time to slow down, which is good for our audience in general. Mm -hmm. yeah. makes us have to to um we have to work less hard to hear what you have to say which is what we want to do right is pay and, attention you know it's part of, i mean i probably most of you I grew up in the radio era i mean i had my favorite program so you're used to you know the 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 the, the, the auditory story you know and 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 all those things uh took place of course yeah the way people okay. presented yeah 
because uh, some of you might know from using other Zooms, the, the, the personal account has 40 minutes. The other day at the 40 minute point, uh, Zoom popped up and said, here's the gift, you can continue on. But uh, if it should shut down at a point, you just dial right back in and we'll start another call and we'll continue recording. Um, another good thing about the comments, uh, I've been pressed by different people in interviewing me about uh, the function of our podcast and the comments that we're giving, uh, those are things that might help other people that are listening who might be you know, wanting to write a story or thinking about writing a story. So uh, different from when we were at 411 and we would talk about it upstairs and we would go down and record and do it over. Uh, we are venturing out with uh, something that we will be posting to our podcast uh, next week. And it'll be a learning for us and whoever might be listening. Okay, uh, Gail. I'm sitting in a Starbucks on a quiet corner in Vancouver, not particularly rich or poor. No one is sleeping on a heat vent near the door or panning for passing change. The buzz of coffee drinkers snacking in the late af afternoon is common. No 24-hour news channels barked out the latest flavor of fear from gangsters' terrorist plots and intrigues. This particular hood is not a gated community where private guards protect the elites, but a nondescript corner on a very busy street. While the cafe patrons chatter about important and facile concerns, a wave of gratitude washes over my neurons. There is much to be thankful for the absence of rancor, as ordinary folk go about their business unfettered by war or rumors of war. No one here finds it necessary to stand their ground, protect their near and dear ones from each other, or defend themselves from the approaching hordes of hungry and huddled masses. Palpable, dark, gnawing anxiety does not occur to a cafe patron because no gangster will enter the premises demanding protection money from the owner. There is no clomp of boots on pavement, tapping of small arms fire, no ambulances screaming around bloodstained corners, no aerial threats or sudden blasts. The taste of a well-ordered, regulated, safe place is never boring, but is savored, like good cappuccino, smooth, flavorful, and harmonious. Yet here, it was not always this way with the ancestors of these cafe patrons. The great-great-grandfather of the Chinese cashier borrowed money from the village moneylender to come to work on Canadian Railway. It had not rained in his village for years. There was no rice left in the greenery. He would send most of his earnings back to China to feed his family. The Japanese barista is the great-grandson of the fisherman lost all his possessions and was forced to board a train with his family to an uncertain future in a detention camp. His existence threatened white Canadians who used the foreign war as an excuse to disenfranchise 20,000 people of Japanese descent, even though most of them were born here. 
the red-haired young woman heating up the sandwiches, comes from a line of Irish survivors of the potato famine in the 1840s. An African customer's great-great-grandmother came across the Niagara border on the Underground Railway with Harriet Tubman. A customer named Trang, his name was called out by the baristo, was born 25 years after his grandparents and parents survived the perilous crossing of a small boat from Vietnam to a refugee camp in Thailand. The customer, wearing a hijab, chatting with her blonde-haired colleague, has more recent memories of the white helmets leading her family to safety as Assad's artillery blasted the neighborhood where she grew up. In the 1770s, my mother's people were Mennonites who lost their land to the new American government. These peace-loving folks fled across the Niagara frontier. My great-grandfather was 17 years old when his father gave him some money and said, son, the army is coming to put you in the wagon, and if you go, they won't even give you a gun. You must run away. I heard this story in 1975, and it has never left me. I taught English to adults in Vancouver. One day, I saw one of my African students helping his classmates in the computer lab. I asked him, Salim, I didn't know you were a computer technician. He replied, oh yes, I received a BSc in computer science in Nairobi and went back to Somalia to open up a business and raise my family. For many years, the business was good, but the government lost control and the warlords came in to make it Mogadishu. I ran a nice clean business, but the warlords were demanding money from me. I refused, so they bombed my shop. They said they were going to kill me, so I took my family and got out. For those of you who think that refugees and immigrants come here to collect welfare and cause trouble, think again. You can't get insurance in the middle of a war zone. Immigrants and refugees do not leave their culture, friends, family, and possessions behind to take a vacation. Incredibly, our institutions make it almost impossible for immigrants and refugees to take up their previous profession. Even business people have to change their product or service to compete in our market. So a doctor becomes a tax driver, a lawyer becomes a court interpreter, and an architect becomes a carpenter. Also, refugees come here because they have no choice. It's either Canada and work two jobs to raise a family or end up in a detention center in the US or Italy. No, like my family and yours, the refugees I taught were running for their lives away from the terrorists. And of the more than 250,000 immigrants and refugees we let in each year, there's a relative handful who commit illegal acts. They are usually jailed and deported. Other immigrants shun them, and this is social death. On the brighter side, we could thank the immigrant for the tax, taxes she pays for our pensions, health plans, and other public services. Check out the pandemic news, and you will find thousands of immigrants and new citizens giving back by working on the front lines of healthcare to organizing and giving free hot meals to people in need. 
Afghan refugees who came here in 2000 now own a restaurant with a sign reading, no money, no words. The owner says, I'm grateful to Canada for creating a safe haven. And when you still persist in fear mongering against those honest, hardworking people, I ask, who let you in? We all belong here. Very nice. Essay on belonging. <laughs> uh, and that demonstrates that the audio quality of something that you recorded with the phone is, is good. Yeah, it's not that bad at all. Yeah. That was a question that Sylvie had because she's going to be interviewing someone and um, would be using her phone. So we see it could happen. Uh, thoughts or comments from anyone? I'll jump in if I can. Oh, sorry, Pat, would you like to go ahead? Oh, no, go ahead. No. Um, um, uh, it, what particularly struck me about this, Gail, um, was the really innovative structure of it all. I don't, for me, I picked up, you started with kind of a broad picture, a general picture, people. Um, and, and to me, the, it was almost like um, a prose poetry, that part of it. Um, I, I, I noticed um, some really descriptive words, sometimes a little overdone, I, I thought, um, a, a little overwritten, it could have been pared back. I'm a minimalist, so bear that in mind when you're listening to my feedback. Um, so I Give think some that, examples of it, yeah. the, the encroaching hordes and the um, absence of rancor. I mean, this is fairly um, formal language that I think probably could be, in keeping with the rest of the of the essay, could probably be uh, simplified. But it did set it apart. The style set it apart mm -hmm. um, because then you you moved on to what was kind of an ode, an ode to Canada, um, about allowing the people with all of these backgrounds to be um, a part of our our community, our culture. So that an ode to diversity, maybe. Um, so that was interesting. That was the middle part. And then you moved on to what seemed to me to be like memoir. You were talking about your own personal experiences. Mm -hmm. And then the activist voice certainly came out at the end. And I, I really appreciated it. I, I thought it was, it's one of the most innovative pieces that I've heard um, in a long time. It, it, essays are not usually structured like that and i i agree with every single word that you said so good for you it was good it was great thank you for yeah. your input thank you yeah, yeah. uh pat or robin well i, I can just say a few words because i a, a lot of what i was observing or listening to uh sylvia's covered you know a lot um but one thing yeah one thing i, I noticed that i i really appreciated was the way that you hesitated at the end of sentences and sort of just, you know, rested with that so the audience could, you know, absorb what you were saying and inflections in your voice as well as, um, and I, I think there were places that I felt it could be uh, shortened or pared down some. Uh, mm -hmm. But other than that, I, it was very good. Yeah, and, and certainly, uh, definitely um, the way you ended and bring, bring it all together um, in terms of, Canada and what what we believe in and what we're we support was it's it's anyway I liked it a lot. Okay, Robin. 
Uh, yeah, likewise. I, I think that it had, um, you know, in broadcasting, we talk about this, this thing called the whale, um, which is a shape that, uh, where you have the, the whale's sort of head and body, and then you have the tail. Um, and so what it sort of demonstrates is this, um, is this shape that we want to create in terms of the content, right? It's like this, this bulbous uh, trek up to like full content and then you kind of want to bring the audience down and then you want to just like give them, give them a, little, a little more, um, which I think your story did really nicely in terms of, of its shape. Um, one of the things, and I know that this is uh, part of the challenge that we're all facing um, with the, this, this new way of recording into our phones or, you know, into sort of sub, I don't want to call it substandard because we do get really good audio on our, on our telephones, but it's, there's, there's something about uh, when we're recording and we can listen in our headphones and we can, we can find what's called the sweet spot in, in our microphones where we know that we've got the angle just perfectly um, that our voice is, is going into the microphone uh, into and it, it eliminates or it enables us to eliminate some of the, the sibilance, some of that the S's oh, yeah. and the P pops and mm -hmm. the, you know, those, those, we all have it differently because we all speak differently. You know, my S's are quite pronounced. And so it's something that I need to, to watch for, whereas my P's don't pop as much as other people's. But when we're recording, um, it's something that I, I would, I would just experiment. Have us kind of think about, um, and if, if it's at all possible where we can use our headphones mm -hmm. and listen to ourselves as we record, right. then we can try to find where that sweetest spot is mm -hmm. so that our voices are coming across as clear as possible. And without those, those sibilances, um, Excellent. As as much as is possible in this environment, well, well, very good. You know where we're kind of using equipment that is a little more ad hoc. Yeah. That's excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I want to say that this show is working out perfectly in terms of one of the things that uh, questions questions people have asked me. How can uh, technology help people who are homebound or reclusive uh, to be in better communication. I said, well, what if the person that's reclusive means someone has to reach in or reach out to them. The person isn't going to reach out. So uh, those of us, as we learn things and we share them with each other, uh, that's one of the ways that it's happening. And so this podcast is also involving in that, you know, they ask if people watch it, will they learn? Well, we, we don't have that setup where we are at the uh, the center and we have uh, a class going upstairs on upstairs and people downstairs recording right here and now we're doing things that are tips that will help other people from our group there's some that are listening by by phone uh, others who 
want to do something, the feedback we've gotten today will be helpful to them as they're presenting things for the upcoming weeks. So I want to thank each of you in receiving the feedback because that's part of an uh, important component of digital storytelling, that people will have an opportunity to, to share, hear their voice, get over uh, things they do or don't like about their voice, and then learn ways that as they are continuing to evolve their stories, that they will reach the, the sweet spot, as Robin says. I have a spoon of sugar, a little bit of honey. <laughs> Maybe we can, we can create a, a honey emoji that we can float up as people uh, give their stories. But uh, Thank you for taking part in that. This Powered by Age, Age-Friendly City is a uh, project funded by the City of Vancouver along with the uh, 411 Center. It is happening as we go. Uh, next week, it's talking about what things people will present. Sylvie is interested, uh, had, there was a group when we were meeting um, and finding out what people were interested in. There was a group interested in aging, talking about people who've lived past 100, talking about research happening. So uh, okay. Sylvie is going to be doing some interviews around that. Um, uh, Charlotte, I do. I have a couple of poems. Do we have time for that today or no? Yes, because we, we said we would have poems. So oh, okay. Poems. Um, I just, uh, uh, I'm, I'm particularly interested um, in the feedback about how I sound because um, mm -hmm. I, I, I would like to know about popping my P's and right. yeah, yeah, my S's and things like that and, and anything else that's good. So I've got to try and get my script up here. Okay. Uh, oh. After we, we, we uh, talk with, um, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sylvie. Um, I, I just wanted to uh, mention a couple of things of the, the structure of my, uh, of my essay, that's all. About how you structured it? Structured oh, yeah. It? Yes, oh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Oh, oh, okay. Could I say it now? Sure, go ahead. Sure. So basically, um, when I said uh, the, the language, at the beginning is very formal because I just like that good old fashioned mid 20th century formal language because it's an essay, number one. And, and, and it's nice to hear these just beautiful, you know. And the um, huddled and uh, hungry, the hungry and huddled masses is cliche-ish, but it is very ironic because of the policies uh, of the people south of us are actually keeping out the hungry and huddled masses. Um, and this is what they, um, uh, when you pass by the Statue of Liberty, it says, we, you know, um, welcome to the hungry and huddled masses. So there's this double entendre that I was thinking about there. Um, and as for my memoir, well, why did you put in the memoir? Well, not, not that in that tone, but you did the memoir and said, well, I'm a part of this mosaic also. And so I just threw in a little bit of my family history um, because I was a cafe patron and uh, um, I was just another person, um, uh, you know, another uh, sort of a white settler type. And this is why my people came. Uh, and that's all I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for your rebuttal. Thank you. <laughs> no, it wasn't a rebuttal. It was why I did things. Yeah. All right, um, I, I have a couple of poems, um, two poems. And just to give you some context, um, I think I'll give you some 
a brief background. Well, you know what, because in the interest of time, maybe just do the poem because we still might get bumped off at any yeah. moment. Okay. Yes. So I'll just, I will say that the first one is a monologue in my local dialect. So. Neighbor, her next door got us a beaver lamb on tick from Nellie Lee's in Oldgate. Who does she think she is? Princess Margaret. Come Monday morning though, Her Majesty's hanging out the weshing in a wraparound pinny in Head Square. Grand day for drying the day, hinny, I yell across the back garden. Done wind from the seas fresh enough to blow the bloomers off your granny. Better double peg the sheets. Costs nothing to be nice, I always think. Maybe I'll need the lend of a few coal one day. Our Billy says she could make more of herself. Lipstick rouge does a lot for a salad skin. Friendly enough for south of the time. Nout like us, but. A man's canny. Town, top of the town, born and raised, good work and class stock. Mind you, every Sunday morning, old Jack Douglas delivers the Soviet weekly to their door. Could be worse, I suppose. There could be papists. Would you take a look at that? House lit up like the clock tower on old year's night. Time she shut the curtains. Not house proud by the look on't, rather sit by the fire, head in a book of the month, knees wide open, like the marketplace whore. And the other one is um, <laughs> similar yeah. theme, but in standard English this time, it's called Sentence on the Road to Newcastle. Yeah. Look right at Carlisle Park, through wrought iron gates, over ornamental shrubs, beyond the floral clock. There, scouring murder path valley, atop a hawthorn-covered hill, you will see that Norman sentinel, under whose gaze demurly girls gossiped, king's men gathered at the gate. Then, look farther right, down the hill, past the curtain wall, to the wood on the other side of the postern burn. There, on a rut-infested path, amid the spore of creatures great and small, you will find that dark place where my grandmother stacked kindling, handlebar high, in the stripped-down chassis of a 50s pram, pushed it three miles home. Oh, nice. I haven't heard Jordi in a long time. Oh, you recognized it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was up along there when I was in Britain many years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, that was a, a wonder, too. You know, it, when you, it's, a, it's a risk writing in dialect because not everybody will understand it, but it's good. It made me listen more deeply. You know, it was quite interesting. The rhythm of it was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, with uh, it, a couple of things that came up that uh, 
some of you might want to research on or others that have called or text or emailed that there are things they want to talk about. But one of this uh, nursing homes with what's happening, you gave quite a contrast with uh, the care that your uh, uncle got. Uh, does anyone else have any people that are in nursing homes or have any opinions related to what some of the nursing uh, professionals have been saying? Not so, so much for now, but if you make a note of it, maybe that's something you could research or plan to present. If there's someone we might be able to interview, uh, a frontline person from the nursing homes, because uh, last night there were a couple of people who just talked about uh, there really need to be a difference in this country and how money is spent, how the schedules are spent so that people don't need to work three different jobs in order to make a living in healthcare. So, uh, Gail, was that an area that you're interested in talking with someone about? Or, Well, actually, a friend of mine is in uh, long-term care at uh, Louis Breyer as we speak. And um, I, I'm close friends with, been close friends with the family for many years. Um, and yeah, just everything that you said uh, was right on. Um, and, and my own, I, I have my own particular opinions. I, I really think that um, these should not be privately owned at all, but I can talk more about that. So. Right, but I think, you know, if we can get uh, any nurses or representatives from a nursing organization mm -hmm. or yeah. uh, even families with opinions and feelings of what they've experienced okay. and the direction we need to go to. Actually, I, you know, my, my friend Joan, who is Dave's uh, wife, um, has a lot of, um, she, she, she's got a lot of opinions about it. So um, I wonder, um, if uh, I could um, interview her, but I'll give somebody else a chance. I, I'm interested in what other people have to say about this. Well, if we have a chance to interview, you know, view her, there are, I mentioned with Sylvie, there, there's also a possibility that we can do one-on-one -on -one interviews with people just to kind of hear what idea or something you're working on or, you know, how it's sounding before we put it into our main, you know, Thursday recording. Mm -hmm. um, what about, uh, is anyone able to look into um, grandparents who there's some I think it's Alice that is interested in writing about uh, grandparents and I saw that she was going to come on but maybe you know by next week she would know if that organization you mentioned if foster grandparents still exist yeah well I can find that out pretty easy just by googling that I would imagine but oh I'm yeah yeah, if you could maybe get someone that we might be able to interview or have come into our show, because that's something else that fits in the different, you know, profile of, of seniors. A lot of people don't, they think of uh, big brothers, big sisters, but not so much about foster grandparents. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are a couple of people, Brian had some poems he wanted to share, and Frank said, hello, they are both working with telephones. And in, I, I saw in a blog today about Zoom, the free version doesn't necessarily support people who are uh, phoning in, that that might change in the future. But there are you know, three or four people that said that they have to use their phone. But I just saw that that, that message from uh, Zoom that this version 
the free version may not support uh, people joining by telephone only. It does. I'm on different Zoom groups so that are free, and they and and there's definitely phone people. Yeah, I've, I've had some, you know. I've, I've been on somewhere that were phone people, but that message just came up when I signed in as host. You, and yeah. so that might be just because they have so much traffic. Yeah. All right. Well, any uh, closing thoughts, Robin, or encouragements, ideas? Uh, I just want to go back to Sylvie's um, poems um, and say, um, about the pacing for the first one that was in the dialect. Um, I loved the fact that I had to really pay attention, but I think what's important at the beginning especially is to really recognize the pacing and, and allow your audience to uh, catch up with you because I I, I found myself by sort of midway, I was like, oh, I'm into this and I hear every word that you're saying. But at the beginning, I was like, oh, she's speaking in a different language. And it took my brain a little while to just like get up to speed with you. And so um, take that upon yourself as the reader to gently gently bring me with you um, by slowing right down and then you can kind of speed up as you as you go and I think that that might help um, people like me who don't speak your dialect um, and need to become familiar with the accent to just uh, be able to hear every word because I think it's rich. Thank you. Yeah um, and again I would just say with the other one um, that is in plain, plain English <laughs> or, you know, like unaccented English, um, that there, there are probably, there are probably places where you can um, find different ways to emphasize the, the language and the speed. And uh, I'm not sure if you were at the, at the session we did lot, like the last session where we were in person, um, but Brian read a couple of poems. And what I had him do was read it at sort of a breakneck speed and then slow it right down so that it was almost painful to listen to. It was so slow. But within that, you can kind of determine places where it makes sense to speed up and where it makes sense to really draw that language out and and it becomes a more dynamic read then um, and so i would just practice with those kinds of things and you'll be able to tell you know um where it feels a little bit more more heightened and more more speedy um, and where it feels a little bit more like you want to just pause into it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for those tips, Robin, because it will help as others are listening to this podcast, if they want to venture into writing or they're thinking, you know, well, I wonder what, uh, those tips might help them to move 
across the line from I think about it, I might do it, to doing it. So mm -hmm. thank you, each of you, for uh, participating today. Uh, call someone, you know, we're from people from three different groups. If you know phone numbers of any other people within your uh, senior center or organization, call them and encourage them to uh, join this one o'clock on Thursday living magazine style podcast. And uh, we will work on seeing how we can help the people that have, have phones. It's really kind of a thing that squeezes me, <laughs> makes me wordless. Uh, because when we're at the center and someone says they don't have a phone, uh, Leslie 411 Center have people who help people to work on things like getting their uh, cell phone bill down or getting access to the internet or even getting a better phone. We had this uh, shutdown of the building and the program right at the point that 411 was getting donations, getting new uh, computers, yeah, laptops right. that were uh, ready for Windows 10. And, um, but, you know, I salute you in moving forward and moving on and continuing to er encourage other people. And this is just going to be so rich that we will have more than we ever dreamed when we move around the different issues. Emily uh, has been talking with uh, Lynn and, and other people around healthcare. She's going to be doing something on the mindful eating. So we will really be able to bring forth both creative arts as well as advocacy and information. Um, and, you know, remember to wash your hands and whatever. They tell us so many times to wash your hands. There is a mindfulness, a health practice that says when you're looking in the mirror, smile at yourself. Smile at yourself until you laugh at yourself because that brings some nice uh, fresh brain chemistry happening. And um, you know, it just makes it broader than that, that same thing. I think there are other things we could put as sub messages. Remember to if you're having, uh, I shouldn't say that, but I'm going to say it. The shelves in the stores are full of condoms. They, it looks like nothing has moved from one week to the other, whereas the flour is empty. The alcohol is empty. I'm an old uh, AIDS educator and uh, uh, health educator from public health. And we, we used to, during the AIDS epidemic, we had to wear a button that said, ask me about safe sex. So I'm taking a moment to tell people, <laughs> arm yourself. <laughs> I wonder if there's a lot of babies. We're going to need a lot of grandparents to look after say, babies. <laughs> yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. There's going to be a lot of COVID babies. <laughs> yes. That's funny. December, January, February. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I have to sign off. Uh, nice to see everybody's faces nice and see, see you next you time. Lot. Yes, we're all signing off. So thank you. See you again. Thanks a lot, folks. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.